So, guys, it's that time of uh, the year where we get to wake up in the morning and watch competitive golf. It's Open Championship Week. I'm Alan DePew. I'm joined once again by Andrew DePew, Christian Nazamus, and once again, Kyle Aldering from Mental Golf Type on the podcast. Good to have you, sir. Yeah, it's great to be back with you guys and chatting. I'm looking forward to it. We've got a lot on tap, Andrew. Why don't you give a quick rundown? What are we going to talk about? Yeah, so obviously we got a little bit of a tournament across the pond, as they call it, I guess, in the uh, you know, over there. So uh, we've got the Open Championships. We'll talk about that. Um, maybe even go over some Open history. Uh, I know, Dad, you said you had some kind of lined up here, so we'll go through that. Uh, then we'll did, go did breaking. You, did you say that because I'm the oldest guy? I get yeah, to talk about history. Yeah, exactly. exactly. Nice. Um, yeah. Then we'll then we'll do a little bit of a, a breakdown uh, with Kyle on mental golf and go through the, the basics there with him. Um, and then we, we it's it's not a major week without getting our pickums. Like we've been we've been slacking the last few weeks with the pickums, but we got to do it on major week because those are double points. So we will be getting some picks. Kyle will be throwing it, although he already did say that he uh, if his guy magically drops out with all these guys dropping out. Uh, out of left field right now that uh, he's not going to be held accountable. We already agreed to that. So there you go. There you have it, ladies and gentlemen, and we will move on. Um, so there you go. And you know, inevitably that means is I take the show notes and throw it out the window because I actually want to look back. I mean, we got, we can't Jim Furyk, Pennsylvania boy, right? Yeah, stumbles, yeah. stumbles out of the gate, wins another major. Interesting here with you guys. I mean, the coolest part, I think 73-year-old fluff is on the bag for it. I mean, congrats, Jim. I think the U.S. The US senior is, I mean, Mr. 58, he's, he's a champion in his own right, in his own ways, many of different ways. His swing is seen around the world and known around the world for many of different reasons, probably not very good ones. But um, what do you two get, guys say? He gets a gun. That's all I say. I love it personally. I mean, Felix one of my favorite players to watch anyways with like his unique golf swing and just him and fluff on the bag. I mean, I, I can't name a better duo out there to be honest with you that have been out there for that, for that long. Um, I mean, hats off to Jim. He had a phenomenal, I mean, I, I knew that he was going to play well going into the weekend after shooting 64 on, I think it was, it was Friday and you know, he just, or it, it was either Friday or Saturday. I, I just, he was in control of his own game. I watched a little bit of it coming down the stretch on Sunday um, you know, overall, it was just a hats off performance to him. And, and you know what? Before Kyle, before you even answer, because this I'm going to bob and weave all all show long about mental golf type, and I might even ask you a little uh, self analysis of me. Good luck with that one. <laughs> but Jim Furyk to me played Jim Furyk golf after he stumbled out of the gate. He got back into being consistent, methodical. I mean, that's basically what you're. You, that's what you and John, we are your, your partner. That's what you two focus on, right? What, what type of golfer you are. Well, that's it. Yeah, absolutely. And the one thing I, I love about Ferrick is he's never really changed what he's done. I mean, you know how long his swing's been under the microscope and for him to just keep doing what he does and get good at it is really the simple recipe for players. I mean, we always make, especially, you know, as a, as a swing coach too, I mean, we always make the argument that, you know, if somebody grabbed Jim Furyk at a young age, they would have changed that swing. And I guarantee people were in his gear every time he stumbled along his career, like, hey, you should probably change that. <laughs> and he just stuck to it. You know, he just did what he did well. And I think that, that makes the recipe for a, a really good player because it doesn't fit the norm. But I think it's really cool that, you know, especially too, when players start kind of complaining about swings, my swing doesn't look right. You know, you can point at someone like Furyk and be like, look, this guy, I'm pretty sure he's got a private jet doing it the untraditional way so i i think it's awesome i'm with christian on that i think it's really cool and you know again just when he sticks to what he does i mean he's the same caddy for a long time like things are things are great in my eyes I wait a minute I, be I believe he's actually now like number five career earnings i, I mean so. yeah i don't know yeah. the exact number but i'll put it this way and kyle you made a good point it's very untraditional swing but I know, Dad. You you've said this years in in along the row. You know, of it doesn't matter how it looks when you take it back or come through the ball, as long as it impact it's square and your hips are, are where it need to be. Like that's all that matters. You could have the goofiest looking swing, like Jim Furyk, but if it, if it does the work like it needs to, what's the difference? So 
I'll say this. I think for a guy like him getting the job done, another guy even late, and I know we'll bring it up here in a second, but another even older guy winning on tour, it's not always about these young guns that vomit 340 and, and hit it, you know, 20 yards. It's sometimes about methodicalness and just plotting your way around the course. And I'll say this, like, my own personal game. I, I've kind of taken a, a mindset of literally I'm going to, I'm going to think my way around the course in the last three rounds. I've, I've played some stellar golf because of it. So it's all about, I'm excited to have you back on because it's all about mine. I've, I've fully developed the mind is, is the most empowered thing on the, on the golf game. So, so Christian, what we take away from that is it's all about Andrew. No, it's yeah, not all about that. We'll, we'll see how good that plays in a few weeks when we tee it up. All right. You know, I know how to get in Andrew's side when he plays golf. So we'll see how it really goes out. And, you know, just don't, just don't get him sideways before the round that really matters. <laughs> God, just, God, just bring up, we're, we, uh, we support heavily a uh, golf tournament up here in the Philadelphia area. We have some family reasons why and ties to it. Um, but uh, it's called Cadence Corner. Got a lot of national celebrities. Shooter McGavin's going to be there. Danny Noonan is going to be there. John, a lot of hockey guys, uh, baseball guys from Philly. Got like eight national celebrities. And the 19th hole is going to be there as a team. So it should be interesting. I mean, if it's possible to trash talk your playing partners, I think it may happen. <laughs> it's definitely going to happen. But I'm telling you, numbers numbers matter and even par through three rounds is a pretty solid score so i'll take it and, and i'll let you Absolutely. guys bust my chops as much as you want but <laughs> I, I can't wait par, even par through three rounds is even par through three rounds and after the debacle you told me about the other day i'm a-okay with where my golf game's at so just saying yeah. alan by the way going back to your point earlier jim Furyk is fourth in career earnings so. I, I knew it was yeah i knew it was top five well let's, behind hey. DJ, number three Watch how I'm going to do this, Christian. I'm going to bob and weave again. We got our special guest. We got to let him. We got to let him chat. <laughs> Lucas Glover. Mm-hmm. There's another guy. Literally, his quote, his interview afterwards. You have to get up and self talk and tell yourself every single day you're working towards something. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, he's a. Uh, you know, I'm I'm fond of Lucas because I mean I don't know him personally, but he works with a close personal friend of mine, Tony Ruggiero, and. Um, so I'm happy for him. I mean, to see somebody who had that success and then hit those lulls and come back. I mean, I love like those kind of stories, you know, like when Spieth had his struggles, he's coming back. Like those things are amazing. I honestly like Tiger so much better after he struggled and then started to come back versus when he was winning so much, like, I was like, come on, somebody else needs to win. I don't want this guy to win anymore. (laughs) But like when I really started to develop that kind of love for the Tiger Woods, it's like, man, when he was kind of down and out, and then started to make that comeback when I was like, yeah, tiger, tiger, tiger. So I love that stuff. And it, I mean, it is, I think in every walk of, you know, any success story, you hear that kind of constant, you know, positive affirmation and uplifting and sticking to the plan. Um, I'm, I'm blanking here, but there was another one. Uh, I, don't, I think it was the Kevin Na who had like a lot of struggles, but he was like, I just kept sticking to it, sticking to it, sticking to it. And then finally he, broke through again I mean it's just those stories are so cool and you know it's not for the weak-minded for sure because it takes a lot of fortitude a lot of discipline to stick to those things to keep hyping yourself up and to keep convincing yourself there's light at the end of the tunnel so I'm, mm-hmm. I'm really happy for Lucas I love that story I think it's so cool and, I mean he's got, he fell all the way to the corn ferry right I mean a couple of times well do you okay yeah. so let me ask this do you think and going back to go forward Kyle do you think that the reason that I think we all as golfers are drawn to those types of players, right? I mean, mm-hmm. I had the I had the notes here. So 41 years old, wins with a 64 final round, beats ironically enough Kevin Na and Ryan Moore uh, for his first win on tour since 2011. I mean, mm-hmm. are we drawn naturally to it because these guys are so personable to people like us? And to your point, to get you know the back to go forward, was Tiger always so like we we love tiger but we really never wanted tiger to fully be jack nicholas because he wasn't as personable but then he went through the struggles and then he came back and i mean you hear all these guys talk about how tiger is so different tiger talks to us he actually cares to talk to other other players on the i think that's more of what it is no i think there's a good point to that i mean you know, I, I hate to say it, but I think it's just how, how Hollywood's trained us. I mean, we 
see people come down and then just that uplifting of seeing triumph and success. I think every walk of life, everybody looks at that and is just as, as warmed by that success stories. And, um, you hate to, like, I, I, I can't speak for everybody, but I hate to see a fellow human being just down and out. I mean, I just, I, even if somebody is a technically bad person, like I just don't wish harm on people. So when you see people struggle, you know, again, like Spieth, for example, we're going through these struggles, like, you know, it's just like, I want to reach out and help them, but you know, I know that's not my place, but it's like, you want to offer the help. You want to see them do better. Cause, but I think you're right. I think it is because, you know, speed like is a generally good person. Like mm-hmm. he was on top for a while. You want to see him successful. When we started seeing the, the softer side of tiger and to be fair, I think some of that was PR of being like, Hey, you gotta, you know, you gotta open up a little more. You can't be so shut down, especially when you're going through some stuff like this. But um, yeah, I think when he became more personable and he opened up a lot more, everyone's just kind of like, you know, we, we really want to see you do well. And, and as he is getting or was getting to that level of, you know, the argument of the greatest ever, like I wanted to see him, I want to see him keep winning majors. Like I want to see him playing. And it's like, every mm-hmm. time we get close, he's getting hurt or something. So it's, yeah, yeah I, I don't know if that's a good answer, but I, I think that, I think you are right. Lucas is a good dude. Uh, it's, um, you know, he's fought through some some personal struggles, which I know he's voiced and written about and talked about with family and things like that. And so it's it's really cool to see people like that over overcome those things. It, it's cool that you brought up Spieth just because obviously back in like 15 and 16, when Spieth was at the top of the world, obviously winning majors every year, it felt like. And then just kind of seeing him struggle, um, you know, it, it, it hurt a lot of people, obviously, because, you know, Spieth is not only is he a well-liked guy on tour, but you could also say back in like 15 and 16, he was the face of like the PGA tour. I mean, by, by, by question. Right. And, you know, having, having that happen to him, unfortunately, you know, it, it was kind of a, it was a shock to a lot of people. We didn't like seeing him down and I, I'm a big Ricky guy. And, you know, people don't like seeing Ricky not playing well right now. You know, yeah. um, they hate it. They can't stand it. And uh, you know, so it, it stinks to see things like happen like that, unfortunately, but um obviously we, we hope the best. And, you know, I, I love Lucas winning, you know, he actually brought up about, he brought up Tiger actually afterwards. He was like seeing Tiger win in 19 at the, at the masters and getting, getting to celebrate with his kids. You know, he really wanted to do that with his kids because he wanted his kids to see him as a champion. You, you know, you can't really write a better story than that. Well, speaking, speaking of majors, speaking of Ricky, speaking of Jordan, they're all across the pond. Like we mentioned, we talked about it being on tap. Obviously, you know, I, I think, we want to see we want to see that we want to see the best players in the world playing the best but we also like seeing the good feel good stories but i'll be honest with you guys i've been looking forward to it all week i've been waking up extra early just so that i can get the extra airtime of golf channel i I don't know about you but i almost made fish and chips even this morning just because i was so looking (laughs) forward to it but we are over across the pond at the open I don't know about you guys. It's, it's Once again, fun. Andrew interjects the culinary yeah. aspect of culinary the 19th Culinary Andrew, yes, yes. <laughs> He's our culinary advisor for the 19th hole. Andrew, why don't you let me go ahead and jump in what I was going to say, okay. which is Lucas Glover, Jim Furyk, especially Lucas. Perfect segue for our good friends over at Survivor Golf Team. The scientifically swing-proven Survivor Golf Team maximizes distance. It was tested by golf testing laboratories, and when normalized results show that the survival performance team offers a lowest ball spin rate by an average of 7%, resulting in the highest ball speed, total rollout, distance among all tees tested. It's because of its center prong stabilizing technology, its consistent tee depth, and it's made by engineered polymer uh, plastics, survivorgolftee.com, our good friends, I got them in my bag. That's why I'm hitting now 230, not 225. And uh, maybe I even stretch it out to 235 for you this week, Christian. I really hope you do. We could use it <laughs> in a few weeks. I mean, thankfully for all of us, he's only here for just being able to actually send my putt. And beyond that, we're, we're taking the rest of it out of his hands. So uh, we won't have to worry about it. But there you go. There you have it. <laughs> Kyle, if you couldn't see, sense a uh, a theme here, there's there's a lot of trash talk as we as we already preset. I, I appreciate it. I love <laughs> the banter. <laughs> Speaking of the open, it's pouring like it is at the open, but uh, outside. So if I lose you all, I'll just I'll, I'll come back in. But just saying. <laughs> yeah, no worries. I just think it's raining everywhere. I mean, I drove through a pretty good rainstorm here. I heard Florida's getting bombed on. So some crazy weather out everywhere. It was sunny, literally, like 
sunny, sunny 20 minutes ago. So right before this, so go figure. But anyway, going from one rain area to the other rain area across the pond, obviously we're talking the open. What's your guys' thoughts? What's your, what's the thoughts of the course this week? Let's, let's, let's rattle through those. Well, I got all the notables. I actually, um, I looked it up when, when Andrew was talking. So shocking. I'm talking all the, all the withdrawals, a lot of big, big names. Um, Hideki Matsuyama, Sung J.M., Kevin Na, Matt Wolf, Siwoo Kim, Bubba Watson, Zach Johnson, Danny Lee, uh, K.H. Lee, Ryan Moore, and David Duvall are the ones that backed out of this year's Open. I do know that Bubba backed out because he came in close contact with somebody who tested positive for COVID. And Zach, um, did you say Zach Johnson? Yeah. And I believe it was Zach Johnson as well that did that as uh, too. I do not know the other reasons for the other guys backing out. I do hope that if it, anything involved with them, hopefully they can get back on the course as soon as they can. Um, this is one of my favorite weeks. Besides the Masters, Open Championships is my favorite week. I love watching Link style golf. It's a different style of golf. Um, you know, it's just it's a different type of player that comes out there every single week. You can't just blast driver on every hole. You know, you got to have a different iron in the bag. You got to have different wedges, putter. You know, it's just a, overall, it's a great event. I love watching it. Um, yeah, I'm interested to see what you guys say about I think it. it. I think it's, it presents a, the most unique challenge. So, I mean, we, I remember the stories growing up, like Phil always said, like it was the one major he thought out of the four, if he was going to struggle with, it wasn't going to be the U S open. It was going to be the open because there's just so many different uniqueness and it's, it, you have to be so creative and it's sometimes a luck of the draw. Like I get stuck in the pouring rain one year and then the next year I'm stuck in 30 mile an hour wind. So I always love, I love the open, but I also like the, the, again, the strategic factor of it. Like when you start to get playing to a good level of golf, you realize like, it's not about just hitting the ball straight as an arrow. Like sometimes you got to play it a little back so that you have more of a club in to hit some, you know, further wedges and, and stuff like that. But it'll be a fun week. I, I'm interested to see after being off last year due to COVID and, and some other issues, obviously, that, you know, this year, even with players withdrawing, I'm interested to see how it goes. Um, we've obviously seen the success that it's kind of over here, but, you know, interested to see how it will go, you know, outside of the United States. Well, we have one of the top, top instructors, as by, noted by Golf Digest, under the age of 40 sitting here. Let's get his impression on what's it going to take to win this week at Royal St. George. Yeah, I mean – it's, and I think uh, Andrew alluded to it. I mean, it's a, it's going to be decision-making paradise out there. It's who's going to make the best decisions, pick the right shots, pick the right clubs. Um, I mean, when you get into those factors and again, I, I haven't seen, you know, how firm they have the greens just yet, but you know, where they're going to put pins. I mean, it's, it's going to be the battle who can think through those factors the best and really come up with the best solutions for those problems. Because and that's why I like that term is because, I mean, American golf is basically just look out the fairway, bomb it, wedge it on, whatever. I mean, the, the true test is like, who's going to make those better decisions. And that's not easy to do in those conditions, depending on how bad it's going to be. But um, so I think it's fun. I think the person who's really communicating the best uh, with their caddy, who's really being meticulous and methodical through their decision-making through the entire 72 is the one that's going to walk away with that. So the ones that are used to walking up and just like Andrew said, bomb and driver probably aren't going to be the ones at the top. You know, the ones who are really taking their time, making very calculated decisions and executing with confidence are going to be the ones that thrive this week. And, and this, and this place has been, here's where I'm going to go with the history. This place is, is actually, this is his 15th open championship. It was held the first one ever outside of Scotland. Uh, it is known for craziness here. Greg Norman, Greg Norman, you know, maybe played one of the greatest rounds of tournaments ever. And as noted by his peers, Gary Player, Bernard Longer, notably said that best, best tournament golf ever played. But then on the other end of the spectrum, Ben Curtis, 396th in the world and comes out of nowhere. Also, that same tournament was no, noteworthy, was first time Tiger ever lost a golf ball in a, in a in a actually a tournament right off the first tee. So Royal St. George is, it, it's weird. It's goofy. It's going to have unusual and that you stay in the moment, just like you said. 
I think, you know, for, for me personally, the, the unique one will be how, how did like, to Kyle's point, how does the course get, get set up? Like, what's the weather look like? I think that'll be the determining factor for, you know, a pick, like if you're going to be sitting there and pick them and we'll obviously tell, tell you guys in a little bit who our picks are for the week, but I think it's going to truly be a matter of how does this course get set up? Is it going to be bone dry like Carnoustie was a few years ago with Tiger and, and Molinari, or is it going to be sopping wet? Like that changes the entire outlook for how you play a golf course, especially link style golf. I mean, it's, it's night and day difference overall. So that, that'll be the interesting, interesting part to me. And that's what I'm going to be looking for most on, on the telegram and, you know, all this stuff. So. Yeah. I mean, I'm going to, I don't know. Like I, I'm thinking about the Ryder cup. And this tournament for a lot of good guys that are like, you know, Patrick Reed, Harris English, Patrick Cantlay, Tony Finau. Like this is a big week for these guys, obviously, that are like, I mean, they're not a given captain's pick. Um, but you you see guys like Daniel Berger, Webb Simpson, um, guys who can really make a run, um, who, who could really have a legitimate chance of winning this week. Um, you know, if they can come out and win, not only do I think they can secure a spot, but I, I definitely think that they can uh, – you know, just get that confidence going into obviously the Ryder cup for them. And uh, I mean, again, like I said, it's a, it's a big week for these guys and I love link style golf and I'm just, I'm very excited to watch it. Well, I'll tell you what, either way, before we kick it over to Kyle to talk more mental golf on hit in his business as a whole reality of the situation is it's all going to be about who's rolling the rock the best this week, who's making the most amount of putts. That's what it always is. That's what it is always for every tournament, especially in the majors. And according to you, Dad, maybe we need to bring the uh, the compact edition on the golf trip because you were struggling, you said, with everything from short and long putts. But we have a good little way to be able to secure that, which is our good friends over at Perfect Practice. And if you're watching our YouTube channel and YouTube video of this podcast, you'll see the little ad down in the bottom over in this corner. Excuse me, I'm trying to remember how we set it up. Um, down in this corner of them. So perfect practice. We can't talk about rolling the rock without bringing them up. They are the official putting training aid of Golf Talk Live in the 19th hole podcast. These mats are the realest of deal. And if you're looking to get better at putting, you need to try them out right now. They work for the best players in the world like Dustin Johnson, and they work for average guys like you and me. So you definitely know they're going to work for you. They come in three main sizes, like I mentioned, all the way from their compact edition that can be rolled up and taken on golf trips, all the way up to their XL version that stretches out to 15 feet when fully extended. If you're looking to get your practice in, either before a golf trip or just before, you know, a big round member, member tournament, use our code GTL15. Again, that's code GTL15 for 15% off. Again, if they're good enough for the best players in the world, like Dustin Johnson and guys like me, they're going to help you too. So try them out again. That's GTL one five for 15% off today. And thank you to perfect practice for all their support. Absolutely. So every month we choose a product of the month folks, and we've had them on before. You've, you've heard from them already a little bit in the show. Fascinating because I love it. Having been a teacher um, myself when I was a golf professional and now as a we'll say struggling senior trying to recapture my form. <laughs> the mental golf type, Kyle Alderink, John Weir, you guys have created this uh, way to basically break down your personality. I, I should probably let you go ahead, but I, what I find fascinating is it takes the personality of the individual and how you learn to make you a better golfer. And I'll stop stumbling at this point because you're the man. You know this stuff better than anybody. Like I mentioned already, top instructor in the nation. Kyle, give, tell us about your business. I, I appreciate it. And um, it is fascinating. And I say that I'm, I'm not the creator. John Weir is the, the sole creator. I'm just fortunate to be on this journey with him and help get the message out and add some things as, you know, you know from my side of things. But, you know, what, what he discovered – uh, is is just crazy to me still uh, and um, showing this to players college teams professionals has been kind of out of this world but like you said it's essentially how your personality um, affects everything so I mean from how even we see targets from how we're communicating on the golf course from how we're structuring practice and structuring our rounds how we're making decisions out there so I alluded to that a little bit about who's making the best decisions I mean essentially you have 
you know, people who do it like Bryce DeChambeau and you have people who do it like Dustin Johnson who just says, I just throw up some wind and pick a club, you know? (laughs) So you look at a lot of these players out here and you see a lot of these differences. And my argument to, you know, people when they're talking about golf swings and stuff, you know, my thing is really the players that know and are okay with being themselves are the ones that are really thriving and they just keep doing what they need to do. I mean, again, with Dustin Johnson, I guarantee people will come along and be like, Oh, you should probably be a little more meticulous in how you make decisions. You probably should be a little more aware of your golf swing versus just, Oh, I just aim left and fade it, you know? And you know, Bryson, some people might be, dude, you're doing too much, like tone it down. But you know, he just kind of does what he knows works for him. And he's okay with that, even though it rubs some people the wrong way. Um, you know, like Matt Wolf and his swing, you know, same thing. I mean, I know he was taught to do that, but I'm sure people along the way have been like, dude, that's not traditional, you know, so forth. So, you know, again, like to give you just a little small glimpse of the difference, um, you know, I'll just kind of get lewd to one, like how people see targets. So like we have players that are very good lining the ball up and players who are very good not lining the ball up. So some players are seeing we'll say paths and bigger zones. So like Bubba Watson would be a great example. Like he hits big shapes of shots. Like he's always focusing with his eyes up at the target more. Then you take like a Xander Shoffley, who is actually kind of goes almost against what traditional sports psychology would tell us where he is standing over the ball for almost 10 seconds and looks at the target for maybe a half a second of that. He's always focused down. He's always rehearsing a meticulous part of his swing. Justin Thomas, Justin Rose, same thing. Like you see these players that are actually what most people say they shouldn't be. They're focused actually on something in their golf swing and they don't really focus on the target where Bubba and DJ fit a little more of the traditional mold where they're, um, you know, focusing more target, they're hitting different shapes, shots and being more of the reactionary. But what's interesting is we found is that about 75% of the population doesn't fit that. They actually don't fit the traditional sports psychology you know, be target oriented and react type mold. And when they try, they actually struggle. I have a ton of videos of players like that where, and even using the focus band, I'm not sure if you guys know what that is, but essentially it's a way to measure whether your, your mind's in what's called alpha wave, which is very calm and relaxed or beta wave, which is like more analytical, more thinking, more stressed. And, you know, I would take players and, and that kind of fit this opposite type, we'll say, um, more what the mass population is like Xanders and DJs or not DJs, sorry, but Justin Thomas, Justin Rose. And I would say, why don't you get your eyes up, just be target focused and hit it anywhere on the range, just swing freely. And they couldn't hit it on the range and they were in the red the entire time. When I would say, okay, now I need to actually. Now, what do you mean by in the red? What, what do you mean by that? So that's like how the focus band kind of dictates it. So when it's green, it's lit up green. It's basically, it's indicating a relaxed state of mind relaxed state of awareness call it alpha brain waves there's different ways to say it and when it's red it's basically very analytical very thinking again a lot more going on called beta waves okay so so you got the the alpha and the andro alpha and beta oh (laughs) no (laughs) (laughs) sorry slipped right by me yeah absolutely and that's that's where a lot of people play golf and that's why they have a lot of struggles and that's the why a lot of people are so good in practice around the range and go to the first tee and something totally different right because we get into these just automatic rhythmic patterns where we're just hitting mindlessly on the range and then you go out and you have to think and then the brain's just going crazy people don't really know what to think that fits them so i would have these players do this i got tons of videos of this of just actually focusing on target and they were just stressed and red and they would hit it everywhere and then I would go totally against and I would stand in front of them, not even look at the target, keep their eyes down on the ball, and they would just go green and stripe it. And it's no. like, it's kind of controversial, but it's, it's crazy because, again, you look at a lot of these players that actually do that. They probably don't know that, but they do it. Now, let me, let me ask you, Kyle, and it's actually one that I wrote down as one of the questions I wanted to bring up. I didn't say it the last time we had you on, but it was something, sure. a post that I thought of. I find like, and I think there's a lot of people that are the same way. They find that they have their, their routines. Okay. Mm -hmm. Like you mentioned Xander's got his routine. If he stands over the ball and doesn't look, do you find that guys like a Bubba personality and style could look over something like my, the, my, the example that I came up with in the question was like, I'll look at it like a pitch shot and I'll only look I don't care about, I I don't look at the yardage when it's inside of about a hundred yards, but what I'll do instead is I'll look at the target and I'll feel it. But like, I, 
I, I look and then like I'll play it. So it's a lot more of a feel rather than a numbers, mm-hmm. but it's, it, it's the same token. Like you have an idea because you're at a certain level, like, okay, I know how far I'm going to hit this shot. Is that, is that common or is that something where like, you'll see a lot of guys who still need the numbers all the time. Like I'm a, I, I feel like outside of hundred, I want to know exactly what the yardage is every sure. single time. So yeah. it, it's kind of a, a unconventional in my opinion, like thing. Yeah. So there is, there is people who are really good at actually taking those things away and taking some of those factors away. So we, we would allude to that as like an emotional intelligence or people call it feel. Like when you hear somebody say like, I'm a feel player and they truly mean that and they're not just BSing, like that's actually a part of our personality that, like I said, it's like an emotional intelligence where we have their counterparts would be like your Bryson DeChambeau who are very systematic about everything they do. Like you might step off yardages. You might know exactly if it's this many paces and this uphill, then my swing needs to be exactly here where I'm the same way. That stuff always bogged me down. So, you know, just give you a story like Tiger Woods is, uh, I'm kind of just guessing, but he's pretty much, I think from just hearing him over the years, the exact opposite personality type to me. Like I'm an ENFP. I'm pretty sure he's an ISTJ. I've never tested him. I can't quote that for sure, but just seeing how he operated, talked, it's a pretty good educated guess. So I tried to emulate everything he did. And every time I did it, I played horrible. So when I walked out with that intense stare, I was trying to be quiet. And what I thought like in that competitive edge was, I played horrible. When I tried to do his clock system with wedges where I go nine to three and I'm trying to think about where the thing's hitting the clock, I played terrible. So like I understand these things now because essentially that all totally works against how I'm wired. Like I'm on the golf course, I mean, Something that's super powerful that's nobody would ever think about is just whether we talk or don't talk. Like extroverts are so clear when they are actually verbalizing shots, just literally talking out, hey, I'm going to start this left pin, fade it in. They're like 80% more likely to do that. Where Bill an Mickelson. introvert, was that? Bill Mickelson. Literally. Yeah, yeah exactly. Phil from, the, from, Phil from the match. He, he, I think it was the sixth hole. He literally is like, well, Cheyenne, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to draw this ball 30 yards left of the stick and let it come off the bat. Like, and then it's, you know, instantly the exact shot he called. Like it was, it was incredible. But it's to your point. Yeah, I mean, so I'll give you, I'll give you a quick example of that I caddy for uh, one of my thirteen-year-old girls out here in the U.S. Junior Girls Am. I don't think she's broken seventy-seven in a tournament before, and she shot seventy-two with a triple and three birdies, and then she went two under in the four playoff holes to qualify. And her dad was just like, "What did you do?" And I said, it was quite simple. I just made her talk out every single shot. And I mean, literally, that's it. Like every pitch shot, what's the trajectory? What's the spin going to be? Rehearse it, do it. That's it. I mean, I didn't really give her any skill stuff. We, I mean, we were just kind of going over some strategy of the shots and then executing. You know, I caddied for one of my corn fairy guys in a Monday qualifier. He had nine birdies and one bogey. And the bogey was just because he got into a bunker that was completely bare and washed out on the short side and just nothing he could do. But same thing. It was just, we talked out every single shot, like, like Phil was doing them. And this is where it's starting. This is what it's doing. And then he just went up there and ripped it. So it's the opposite though. So I have like introverted players. So I have a college player. I'm not going to, I don't want to name any names or call anybody out, but a really good college player who's a, is an introvert. And he's just like, I want to be left alone. I just want to do my thing, play my, play my game. He's kind of like a Bubba, but a very quiet version of Bubba. And his coach because they had to play in teams like when COVID was going on like everybody had to play as the same team so it was like five guys from the same team playing in a group and his coach so the coach was obviously following that group and made him talk out every single shot and this is somebody who averages like 73 and he shot like an 86 the next day after they like argued and because he knows the stuff about himself and he basically got in his coach's face like you can't do this to me I'm telling you leave me alone and so he said they got in a pretty heated argument. So the coach left him alone the next day. And he shot sixty-eight. Like it's, it's, I guess I mean, that's again, knowing that's knowing your game and your and your mental well, state. I'm telling you, like, and this is why I, I said at the very beginning, like, I'm still blown away by what we find with this. And you know, John and I have both been very honest. Like, we've tried. He, I know he's been doing it for a long time. I like when I started learning it. Like, I try to debunk this stuff. I'm like, this can't be right. This can't be like this much of a blueprint but it like it is and it just never fails like 
the crazy thing is when we know these things about players, we not only do we know what puts them into a good mode, again, whether they're talking and how they operate, how they're seeing targets, but we know where their mind goes when they're stressed. Like I know extroverts start to get very quiet. I know you, introverts start to have to talk. Now, do you think, and another one that I had written down was, we always hear the old adage that when you play with better players, you play better. When you play with worse players, you play better. Do you truly think that it's it's a situation of that? Or do you think like perfect example is I was playing with a buddy who literally never shot under a hundred in his life. His first round out with new clubs. Now he also hit it a little bit further because he actually has newer clubs. But besides the point, we walked out and we literally didn't talk about what he was doing the entire day. We just were chatting. Like, is it truly that they're playing with better players or is it just because the personalities align better that they actually just play better golf? Yeah. I mean, I, I definitely think there's a personality trait to that. Um, it, it does take a lot of discipline, especially for certain personality types to stay into what they're doing when they're playing with worse players you know, especially somebody who can shoot around par. If you're playing with somebody that's shooting a hundred, like it's very hard to stay engaged. Um, I think learning as a whole though, like I think when you're playing with better players, like you just learn more, you pick up more, you see what they're doing. I mean, we can't help but just watch and judge people. I mean, that's what we do. We judge people. <laughs> so, yeah. so when you're playing with other people and you're seeing what they're doing, I think that helps even like just a growing child. When they see other children, they learn and pick up a lot of things from that. So I think there's that piece. I think it's a lot harder for a good player to stay focused and it takes a lot of discipline to do it playing with worse players. So I mean, like I'll give you an example. I had a player that played in a tournament and there's only a few people in it, this girl, and she's somebody who can shoot like mid seventies and she had to play with somebody who shot like 160, like a girl. Oh. I don't know why her dad put her in this tournament. Like I feel horrible for the kid because they should not be competing at that point, you know, learn to play the game and then go compete or whatever. But you know, that's hard to do. I mean, that's literally get twenties on holes, you know, and to sit there and like have to sit there and watch that, watch that, watch that. And then all of a sudden snap into what you need to do. is very, very hard. It can be done. I just think it's like just the wherewithal and knowing yourself and when to turn it out, when to turn it off is, uh, is so, powerful. As I, as I said, it, this is all fascinating. I, I love the mental aspect of the game and in you and, and John as the, the head developer of, of the program, what you have 16 different personality types that you've identified. Mm -hmm. Can you elaborate a little bit about that? I mean, how do you know, first of all, how, how do you know what you fall into? Or is it a series of questions that you generally, how you answer those questions or carry yeah. us through that process? Great, great question. So we, we built out an assessment tool on our website. It's free. Anybody can take it, just get their free report. Um, and we have like a, we'll call it a three-step verification process. So we have a golf assessment. Um, and again, this whole thing doesn't take you, if it takes you 10 minutes, you're really taking your time. I mean, it's a pretty quick answer some questions like how you like to operate in the golf course. And there's questions in there too, about trying to allude to, you know, what you do when you're not playing your best. And then we take them through like, okay, that's golf. Now let's go through life and some of your life qualities. And then we give them kind of a final report and say, Hey, does this actually sound like you? Because, in some cases, most cases, people test differently on the golf course than they do life because we have learned in natural behaviors. So when we take them through the golf assessment, essentially we're doing that to go to show players like you're doing a lot of these things totally against how you're naturally hardwired, totally against your natural gifts because of what you might have learned to do because of, again, like me trying to follow Tiger Woods. If I would have taken this thing in, you know, 2000, I would have probably answered completely opposite than what I am because I'm thinking like, I want to be like tiger. This is what I like to do. So, so we'll take them through that and kind of show them the differences. And then when we give them that final report, most people are like, this is kind of spooky how accurate this is. Like they don't want to admit that it's that accurate, but it's like, this is crazy. Like how you can pin this down now for the 16 types, essentially there's four facets, you know, there's our energy source, which is if we're extroverted, introverted. So, and, that's a very misunderstood one. It's not just talking or not talking. It's basically how we get mentally charged up, like recharge our batteries. So me as an extrovert, like I get very energized by engaging, by talking, by being external. I mean, it could even be singing, just being out and about. Like when I'm putting energy out, like it actually energizes me, which is why I can go all day doing stuff. 
like when I'm actually having to be quiet and alone, even if I'm just fully charged, I get exhausted. Like if I just sit on the couch and watch TV, I'm like, (laughs) I mean, it's crazy. But again, when I get back out and start doing things, it's like that. But introverts need kind of that time to themselves to like recharge. They'll get exhausted by that. And they'll have like, I got to get to myself and just kind of recharge my batteries a little bit. Uh, The other part is that's really like how we focus ideas. Extroverts focus and get clear on ideas by being external, by being able to talk things out. Um, You know, there's times where I'm sitting on the computer by myself working and something, I got to step up and like walk around and talk out to myself. Like, all right, let's talk this out because like I got to get it out of my head. Um, You know, we're, you know, again, introverts are, they're organizing things and thinking a lot clearer internally. So how we're making these decisions on the course and getting clarity that plays a big role. The next one's our perception and focus. Again, how we're seeing the world. Are we seeing big targets or small targets? Is our focus more calming and better if we're broad and seeing big pictures or if it's small? So again, do we like to hit shapes of shots and thinking about the swing as a whole? Or are we more into the P1, P2 and things like that? Again, some people mock that, but it's really good for some people. If you started telling me about P2 and P3, first of all, I don't even know what the hell it means. (laughs) <laughs> but like so somebody will be like oh i just got to get my swing in a p4 i'm like cool i don't know what that means but if that works for you do your thing i think actually i think that was justin rose that said like i just try to get my p4 right or something so i don't, I, per- I swear to god i don't know what that means i've been studying the golf swing for a long long time so again just how these players are again thinking about you know do i need to think about a task in my swing and that's what calms me to get the ball there or do i just need to be shape of the shot and the reactionary get two totally different types of players um how again what andrew alluded to earlier like decision making of do i have to step out shots pace out shots have a system for you know how long the swing is or am i just kind of looking and feeling it um again two totally different players do it right and this is why you see so many arguments on social media so many people get heated because you know most people are like well i've been successful doing it this way so that's how it has to be and everybody else is wrong but most everybody is right for somebody right. is really what it comes down to. I mean, most of these systems, everything we've seen, the stack and tilts, the, you know, decade golf, whatever, you know, just throwing some off the top of my head, they all are really great for certain populations. It's just kind of knowing what to tailor your stuff to, because one, I think the, probably the biggest thing that can hurt most golfers is what we call player envy, trying to exactly what I did with Tiger, taking somebody and trying to emulate what they're doing when a lot of times that might not be right. And the last one is just kind of structure. Like, again, are you very detailed on the golf course? Do you know exactly where you're going to be at tee boxes and planned out ahead, follow that plan to the tee, or are you adaptable? You know, some players are like, oh, I'm fading it today and just play with it. Some players are like, no, I need to stick to my plan no matter what. I'm hitting this club no matter what type thing. So we have these four facets and then they all kind of interweave. And so there's like, you know, there's extrovert intuitives, there's introvert intuitives. So those all combinations, there's 16 combinations of them and how they work together is a little bit different, but essentially players just learning their four core concepts, again, whether you're extrovert, introvert, how that operates, uh, sensor intuitive type things, just understanding those four players have seen just crazy success with it so far. And like I said, I say that not as, that's because this is like what I created. This is just something I'm blessed to be a part of because like you said, it is super fascinating and every day just kind of going through this and sharing with people, I'm still just like blown away by some of the findings. Yeah. It's golf's always so cool as it is because I obviously Kyle, as you alluded to, like everybody's different in their own way. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, like for me, I play worse when I, I play in a golf cart. I always have to carry my bag when I play. I don't know what it is. I don't know why that is. I just, I always have to carry my bag no matter what. And I, I always pick out a small target as opposed to a big one. But when you take guys on tour, take this week, for example, right. When it comes to like a major, but specifically like the open, like you always hear about like the guy saying that the U S open, it's the most draining week out of them all because of how tough the golf course plays and all that stuff. How do you think that their mental aspect changes playing an open championship as opposed to say any other tour event or let alone any other major or like, do they change something? Do they change big, big things throughout the week in the routines? Or I'm, I'm curious to see what you think about that. No, I mean, I think that the drain is just stress as a whole, because stress is essentially what is taking a toll on everybody's body. And, and when we're doing things that don't fit our 
kind of natural hardwiring, it induces a level of stress, whether we're aware of it or not. Sometimes it's high, sometimes it's low enough to just make enough of a difference to throw you off. But, you know, a week like that, that has so much hype to it. It's the U.S. Open. I'm sure the Masters is kind of the same way. Um, people are putting so much mental energy into that. And there's so much uh, stress involved, especially with the media hype. And, you know, I'm supposed to win. I'm supposed to make the cut. You know, guys playing to keep their status or whatever, play the next year. Um, I think that has a lot to do with that, just that draining aspect of it um, would be my guess. But because, again, you have to be very sharp. And sometimes I think people probably overdo it. And they get that sense of, like, this huge moment. Like, I have to really be sharp and focused. And, um, yeah, I mean, that would be my take on it. I think it's a great question. Right. Now, do you, now, do you think, like, take Brooks, for example, right? Brooks has been very open about, you know, when I tee it up in a major – take a u.s open or open or whatever whatever the major is he goes i'm only competing against 30 guys mm-hmm. right is that playing in his advantage do you think or do you think that's going to play against him because having only play against 30 guys if he comes out there and shoots say a couple over par in the first round and he's tied for 112th or whatever it is do you think that plays in his advantage or do you think that that doesn't no i, I definitely think it plays his advantage um because i mean if you play a golf tournament with two people versus 150 there's a you know, there's that different level of just, I just got to do this type thing. And I think that's kind of hit the way he's found to put himself in a good mode and not get too worried about too many external things. Yeah. And it's just like, I just got to take care of business. These are the ones I got to take care of um, type thing. So I I definitely think that's a pretty cool mindset trick that he's created for himself. And and that's the stuff I love too. Like, does that work for everybody? Maybe not. Well, it's it's his own self-talk. And at the same time, it's a little bit of arrogance to everybody else that says it may grip it a little bit harder because i wonder if i'm one of the 30 yeah. <laughs> how does how does he view me well i, I, I think, think there's some gamesmanship there for sure absolutely I, I think i can like i can go back to college and playing a few of the tournaments like there was times where you get so uptight because you you're, you're trying to play this different game and like i'll go out now and i i literally don't care what I'm doing with the golf ball. If it's out and findable, then I'll, I'll hit it. I'll, and I'll, I'll keep moving forward. Like I literally will talk to guys the entire round. Keep it in front of me. Yeah. And, well, that's the thing, right? Like in that, it, and it's taken, you talking about stress on the course and how it's, how it affects your game. Like taking that mentality approach rather than like, Oh, I have to hit this perfect shot to three feet or else I'm not going to make like, is it on the green in regulation? Okay. Am I a good enough putter that I can at least two putt most of the greens? Yes. Why am I worried about it? Like it's a par. Okay. 18 of those is not going to hurt me. It's only going to, you know, that's one less hole that I could have had a blow up on. So for me, like I've, I've completely changed the mentality to strategically placing it to where I'm not going to hit it into trouble, but also from a standpoint of like, all right, I'm going to play my game which is I'm just not going to care what I do. I'm just going to hit the ball. If it's in play, we'll keep moving forward. And uh, like I said, it, it, the last few rounds, it, that's, that's the mental, mental approach. And it's, it's completely different than the, the diehard focus, you know, from the tournament. Yeah. Christian, Christian, you know, Kyle sitting there right now, just analyzing Andrew. Oh, he's like, definitely, you know, right. yeah. he, he's, like, he's got the grin on the whole nine <laughs> yards, ladies and gentlemen. He he's, doesn't even he's have always, to, he doesn't have to put no bands on him. Although I do want to write that down, so we're gonna to have to connect after because I want I'm curious now how you said it was spooky accurate, so I'm gonna to have to yeah. put that to the test. So it's always well, the thing that I that's really important that you said though, and this is this is true for any golfer, is you just got rid of expectations. Golfers have the worst expectations yeah. ever. I mean, it's it's pitiful, and you ask most players even just what you think like a pj tour player hits shot from 100 yards they're always like oh five feet and it's not like on average it's like 18 feet you know their driver dispersion is like 60 yards i mean they hit 60 percent of fairways and 12 greens around like i saw I mean, two, like- two two stats that i that just from the ones you brought up so i saw two different two different people talk about it i can't remember the announcer for the one and then i saw a stat the announcer said golf is the only game that a professional sport athlete can hit it a hundred yards offline and still be okay. Mm-hmm. Like no other sport are you that dram- like you could be that dramatically bad at and still be a professional. The other one was in a, to back to managing expectations. 
it was like one or two 15 footers that most professionals now they also are typically if they're getting up and down or they're they're making birdies inside of 15 feet because they're that good with wedges in their hand but it was only like one or two 15 footers on that is what the tour average is making per round so the tour like your mentality of like oh i didn't make that 15 footer like that's like that's a problem okay how many did how many did the jordan spieth make this week like let's let's sure let's calm it down a little bit and, and realize what we're doing here. So. Yeah. Because when players have that expectation of like, I can't miss at shots or, or whatever, and it's usually, it's crazy. It's usually like the worst the golfer, the higher the expectation, but right. you know, really good players have come to understand these things. Like I can miss hit shots and still play really well. I mean, everybody does. If you go follow up, one of the best pieces of advice I got was to go follow one group on the PJ tour and follow the entire day because you're going to see bad stuff and you're going to see what golf is really like, but it's, it, you know, all we see on television is the highlights, you know, mm-hmm. and that's what people kind of think golf is. And because we practice on a flat line, we're always looking for perfect numbers on a track man or whatever. I mean, everybody thinks that's what they need to do. And if I don't do it, then I'm not going to be successful. And that's, it's kind of crazy. I mean, you can hit a ton of bad shots. You could probably hit 15 to 20 legitimately bad shots and still break 80. Okay. Yeah. Easily, you know, I, I, grew, I grew up working for an ex tour player, and all he used to say is golf is a game of great messes. Yeah, I think I said that like 10 times this weekend on my own yeah. game, so that's that's true. Yeah, there was a lot of examples like I, I, I could go on for hours about examples that I had in college too with like my coaches and teammates and just the way I was playing and stuff like that. I mean, it's just it goes to show you that golf's a great sport. And you can, you can be anybody and, and anything and really play well at the end of the day. And it's, it's a great sport. It brings people together and it really shows you truly how, again, how amazing the sport tr- it really is. So I, me- I mentioned the website. How do people find you? Yeah. I mean, mentalgolftype.com is a great start. I mean, that's where you can just uh, take free assessment. We have a bunch of free content on there for players to kind of get introduced to these things. Uh, we have online courses if people want to explore the training and, you know, the very personalized training and how to do that. We have courses on that educates them on their mental facets and how to use them. Like we talked about, we have a course on how to develop a really structured shot process and how to think through those zones, what that takes. And then we have a practice, uh, a course on how to structure your practice too, which is a really, I mean, we could go on for a long time about how bad golfers are with, about how to practice and and it's not to anybody's fault. I mean, I, I never was taught how to practice growing up. It was basically, Oh, go do your drills and that's it. But so we have kind of a unique format on there. We call our four pillar system of how to really structure up efficient, productive practice. And especially based on your mental golf type and what drills and things are good for that type of player and how to utilize it, how much time to spend um, things like that. So we have uh, those things are on the website. People want to explore that again. There's there's some cool stuff on there for free. They can go through too. But I think it's important that everybody kind of gets their type, because regardless, even if you take that to your coach and just say, "Hey, look, this is how I'm wired to think," I think that helps a ton. Uh, hey, I, I've appreciated you coming on as always, and please, we're approaching the 18th uh, green, so uh, uh, please stay with us the rest of the way and. And Andrew penciled in already. We got to bring our, our good friend back because I need to be analyzed. I told you that. I'm, I'm, I'm becoming dedicated to be a good golfer again. To being yeah. subpar, right? Well, yeah. I'll tell you what. If you, That's if a you different podcast. Want to, oh. want to do, the, do your assessments and we, I'll come back on and talk you all through it and people can see how it works. I, I would love to do that. But we have to be of sound body and mind, Andrew, and you can't do say. that without – we can't talk about bringing up nerves. Can't talk about being a sound body and mind without bringing up our good friends over at Yips. As I mentioned earlier on the show, oh, that way uh, we have them right down there in our little corner there. Um, give them a little publicity that they rightfully deserve because they are such a great product. Uh, they are our official CBD and herbal supplement of Golf Talk Live in the 19th Hole podcast, and they're the world's first full spectrum CBD supplement. They figured out a way to create a product with zero loss to the plant strain and profile, which is known as the Lacey effect for all of us scientific nerds out there like me. Uh, Yips is made with no toxins, additives, or chemicals like other big CBD brands, and it's created with all organic, non-GMO, and gluten-free ingredients, which means it's only putting the best into your body. If you're looking to get a hold of your this phenomenal product, be sure to use our code to get a discount. Obviously, don't 
want to be paying full price when you have a discount out there, use our code GTL10 for 10% off. Again, that's code GTL10 for 10% off your entire purchase today. That's at yips.co. We greatly appreciate them. And uh, yeah. Hey, Christian, once again, Kyle's over there and Andrew's talking about being a scientific nerd and he just went beta, <laughs> beta. <laughs> Well, let's get let's get off let's get off the topic of me. I've been analyzed too much tonight already. I don't need to, I don't need to have a reason. We're gonna to... let Kyle go first. Let's talk about the let's talk about the Open Championship. It's time to make the picks. Right. This is where the banter begins. You are the guest. Go for it, my friend. I feel like my pick is gonna be completely just boomer bust, but I'm gonna go just outside the norm. I'm taking Philly Nicholson. Assuming he's still out there, right? He's still he's still uh, in the in the field according to the tee times list on okay. their website. So you you should be you should be okay unless something I, dramatic happens. I like he's he showed he's played well in that wind. Um, I like it, the stuff he's doing. So I I think it's a like I said I feel like he could either do it or he could miss the cut. So well, he, <laughs> I don't know if there's going to be did not play team. that great, or I should say his his playing companion Tom Brady did not play that great in the match. So maybe playing solo he'll do a little bit better this week because. You know, you picked them, so I like the pick. <laughs> and, I like and I'll pick. tell you what, we're going to keep going right across the screen. My, my, at least on my screen, it's. Uh, I was going to say, you know, every right, screen's different. Right? I'm going They're, right. I'm, well, I'm going right to left on okay. my screen. So, Christian, what you got? My guy, I'm going to. He's just too tough mentally to. I'm going to go Brooks. No questions asked. Do you imagine a Brooks and Phil like re showdown in this thing? You know what I really want to see? I want to see a Bryson Brooks showdown to, for the Claret Jug coming down 18. That would be crazy. And I want to see how they both react to it. I'm still waiting for the next match between the two of them because that, uh, that would be right, so before sure. we Before we go, okay, so thank you for agreeing. I tweeted it from our account here. I am taking credit for this because I said it. Golf needs, and they talk about all these matches, golf needs the match that we've all been dreaming for, Brooks versus Bryson. Brooks has Shooter McGavin on his team. Bryson has Happy Gilmore, the long bomb hitters, you know, the whole profile. <laughs> that would be literally pay-per-view-esque. I would pay to watch it. That's all I'm saying. But it, that's it, not the guy I'm watching be, this week. It would be better than Conor McGregor's fight this past week. I mean, yeah, he broke his ankle. Come on. Why, why yeah, are you going to be like that? Anyway, um, he's not going to be the guy I'm watching this week. I'm going to go with another really tough mental player. I think this guy is due – and that's Patrick Cantlay. I think he's going to be a phenomenal pick. And he he plays just within himself that I think is what's necessary for the Open. So No Colin? No, no Colin. I went against my uh, original or pick. Or JT? No, no oh, JT. my God. Patrick no JT. Those are like the only two people you pick. Yeah. So, I also had insider information, i.e. I was on the uh, Titleist Instagram page earlier today because I was scrolling doing nothing. And uh, I saw him get actually out of one of those bunkers over there. So I said, all right, that must be a competitive advantage. That's why I'm going with it. Well, right. that's, that's, that's impressive uh, in-depth reporting there, Andrew. <laughs> you, like, you like how I did that? Was- yeah. So I'm gonna, let, me, let me just throw this out at you. No, it's being played in Kent, England. This is, like I said, first uh, Open Championship outside of Scotland. No Englishman has won it. In England in over 50 years, I believe that was Bobby Locke. No Englishman since Nick Faldo has won, period. It changes this week with Tommy Fleetwood. Ooh, that's a good pick. I like that pick. Notice how none of us picked John Rom. I was waiting for someone to pick Rom. <laughs> Who's that Nick guy? He's playing out of his mind right now. I'm sorry. He's playing out of his mind. I know he you didn't, didn't pick him, so why are you coming at us? I'm just saying, Don't dude, come at I us like that. Is that your final egg? Is that your final thoughts? Because we got to put the flag in. I was going to yeah. say, Ron, coming at me. Don't, don't you come at me, Ricky Bobby. Don't you put that evil on me. Ricky's going to come top 10, and that's my final thought. All right, Kyle, any final thoughts? No, I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to actually watching it a little bit. I, like I said, I haven't watched much golf recently, so I'm, uh, I'm looking forward to seeing how they all do out there. And, um, you know, hopefully it's a, I mean, like a, like Chris said, I mean, could you imagine a, a Brooks and Bryson showdown? I mean, that would be – I mean, it, I don't know if it's quite Tiger Phil, like, you know, from back in the day, but I, I think, think it would be super entertaining. because of the, super, the, the, the Instagram, you know, fame yeah. that they've gotten on it now. I think it's bigger than that, but – Yeah. 
I will say this, my closing thoughts, Kyle, thank you for coming on the show. If you are going to be watching on, uh, on the TV there, be sure you're not sitting on the couch falling asleep. So that way you're able to, you know, be able to get through it, the whole thing. Um, ladies or, and gentlemen, or talk to the, or talk to the TV, or, to, or talk to the TV according to, yeah, exactly. Um, I'd love to be chasing my two, two little kids around. So that keeps me busy. There you go. There you go. Um, if you are listening to us, be sure to tell all of your friends, family, and anybody else who's a golfer. Uh, we greatly appreciate all the love and support we have been getting. We've actually been seeing quite a bit of an uptick, which is pretty cool um, to our followers and to our listeners, which is awesome. Uh, if you are watching on our YouTube channel, as I mentioned earlier, we are going to be having this now on our YouTube channel weekly. Uh, do me a favor, hit down in the bottom. You're going to see a nice big bell, hit that bell, ring the bell, make sure that you get all the notifications every time we have a new video. That way you guys can stay up to date, but most importantly, hit that subscribe button on our YouTube channel. If you are new to it and you are enjoying this content, that way you guys, again, can also stay live with anything we do. Um, other than that, thank you again, Kyle, for coming out. Dad, I got my perfect practice rolled up so that way I can bring it with us on the golf trip. So that way your putting is not horrific like it was a couple of days ago. And that is my closing thoughts. Wow. Okay. <laughs> so I, I am going to take the, the mental golf type quiz. Kyle is going to come back on and we're going to break it down. And I'm okay with it. I'm, I'm fine. I want to hear. Maybe I would have been a better player back in the day. But my closing thought is, I said from the onset, crazy things happen at Royal St. George. I can't wait to watch it. This is the club. You guys are way too young to remember this, but this is the club in 1985 where Peter Jacobson tackled the streaker on the 18th green. And famously, his famous quote was, I went low and kept my mouth shut. Well, let's Christian, hope we see some weird stuff out there. Christian, I got nothing else to say, so hit it long and straight. Because it beats Andrew Hinn at short and crooked. <laughs>